Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 27 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined this week uh, by Elliot Stewart-Parks. Mark Eckel uh, taking this one off, but Elliot is here you know, right back from Mobile, Alabama. He was at the Senior Bowl, so we have a lot to talk about with the Eagles. We're doing this podcast on a Friday. The Senior Bowl will be tomorrow on a Saturday. Carson Wentz is uh, the quarterback everyone's talking about, and it was a big week of Eagles news as well. So, Elliot, welcome in here, and, uh, and welcome back to uh, the area. How was uh, Mobile? It was good. It was good. And even though, you know, like you said, the game is on Saturday, which is tomorrow, the, re- the majority of the senior, the senior Bowl, for all intents and purposes, is, is, is over. Um, the thing I've learned from covering it is the scouts come in on a Monday and they leave on Thursday. They watch the, the two days of practice, some of the third. Um, but when I was flying back from Mobile uh, yesterday on Thursday, there was about four Eagles coaches on the flight with me. So even though the game does matter in some degree, the majority of the scouting and, and the information the teams need from this event is already over. And it's one of the biggest draft events of the year. Um, obviously, we'll talk about a lot of the guys. But especially when it comes to the Eagles, they love to draft guys from the Senior Bowl. So you know, we'll, the prospects we talk about on this podcast, there's a very good chance they could end up being uh, you know, Eagles picks when, when the draft happens. Right, everyone loves to get into the combine and talk about all these players in the next couple of months, and then they rise up and, and down draft boards. But you know, basically, what you're saying there is this past week we just had, and you were down there with a lot of those scouts that were doing their job as you were doing yours. You know, this is the week where they really get to see these kids up close and evaluate them on the field and in practice. And the one that stood out, and you'll give us a bunch of names, but the one that stood out to start with here has been Carson Wentz, the quarterback, mm-hmm. North Dakota State. Um, he looks the part. I know you had a piece, and Doug Peterson basically talks about liking him and how he kind of passes the eye test. But tell us what you thought about Wentz. I know probably a lot of our listeners aren't big college football fans. I feel like a lot of people that follow the Eagles and live in this area, some of them are, but not all of them really are into college football. And even if you are, you probably don't watch much North Dakota State. So the more right. information about Wentz over the next couple of months is the better. So what did you think, and, and what are people saying about this kid? Well, Wentz is definitely the, the hot name right now. Um, down at the Senior Bowl, it's kind of the guy everybody was looking at and everybody was talking about. And as you mentioned, you know, three, four weeks ago, the majority of people didn't even know who this guy was. I mean, you know, maybe you heard a little bit of him, but a few months ago, definitely nobody knew. So this this isn't a situation, in my opinion, you know, this isn't a Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. Um, but that being said, the other, the other thing is <clears throat> at the Senior Bowl, the, the quarterback prospects were not very good. <clears throat> Pardon me, excuse me. Um, the quarterback prospects were not very good. So the compared to uh, the other, compared to the other players, Wentz looked Wentz looked awesome, and that was to be expected. I mean, he's got the he's got the size at six six. I think he weighed in at ru- roughly two hundred and thirty pounds. He's a big guy. Um, he moves very well, and that was that was clear after a year of watching Sam Bradford practice and play. It was it was clear just how much of more of an athlete uh, Wentz is. He throws a good ball. Um, when you talk to the different scouts, though, obviously I'm I'm not a scout. But when you, when you talk to the scouts, the things they mentioned were um, his accuracy, which was impressive. I mean, he completed sixty four percent of his passes over his career at North Dakota State. But one of the biggest concerns with him, obviously, is the fact that he did play at North Dakota State. Um, you know, he didn't face the best competition. Um, one thing one scout told me was. That at North Dakota they run the ball a ton, so a lot of the passes he was making was where was against seven guys in the box. Um, he didn't make a lot of throws where he, where he had to anticipate it. Um, normally his guys were wide open or in single coverage, so those those were some concerns with him. But that being said, 
the things you heard from scouts on Monday about Wentz were a lot different than what you heard on Thursday. I think Wentz had a, had a very good week. Um, he looked a lot better than everybody else. So I think his draft stock definitely rised. Whereas on Monday, you could say, yeah, maybe the Eagles could get him at 13. But at least as of now, we all know it's a roller coaster. We'll go up and down. As of now, people are talking about him going to the Cleveland Browns at number two. So, um, you know, a guy like Connor Cook from Michigan State who elected not to come, um, you know, he hurt his stock by not coming, whereas Wentz absolutely skyrocketed this past week. This reminds me, Elliot, a little bit of, I think it was 2008 with Joe Flacco coming out of Delaware. A big kid, um, mm-hmm. he had a big arm, and it was almost like the unknown made him even more interesting because people knew about him a little bit, I guess, in this area because he went to Delaware and he's a New Jersey kid. But, you know, when he got into these these postseason things, the Senior Bowl and whatnot, people were like, who is this kid? Six foot six, had a big arm, and, um, you know, Wentz could be that. So, you know, with... With that, you're talking about the, the Browns maybe a two or one of these teams moving up. I know you had a piece the other day, should the Eagles think about moving up? Yeah. I mean, um, the Bradford thing, and we'll talk about Bradford, of course, as we always do on this show. The of Bradford thing is going to hover over what the Eagles do this offseason. But if they do need a quarterback or they do decide to take one somewhere in this draft, I mean, do you think that's a possibility they have to consider if they want one of these guys to move up and not just sit at 13? I think there'll be a guy for their for them at 13 because I think the, the three guys right now are uh, Goff out of Cal, um, Paxton Lynch out of Memphis, and then obviously Went. So I do think through the three of one of those three will be there in my opinion. Um, now it kind of just just depends on who. I mean, some of the buzz down at the uh, the Senior Bowl was that the Cowboys, the whole entire reason they coached this game and the reason they they requested the roster they did is because they wanted to get a look at Wentz. Now, would the Cowboys draft a quarterback? That's, that's a tough question because on one hand, you know, Romo's going to be playing for them next year and probably a year after that, I would say. Um, and they could also, you know, you've seen them linked to guys like RG3. That being said, you know, the plan for the Cowboys, whether this happens or not, if Romo stays healthy, is they're not going to be up this high again, you know, for another two or three years. So maybe this is a chance for them to get a guy like Wentz. And really, that would be a great situation for Wentz because he's someone who wants to – he's not someone you want to play right away. If the Eagles draft him, they should not start him week one. I don't think he's ready. Um, you can't go from playing at North Dakota State to, you know, playing in the NFL right away, at least at a, at least not at a position like quarterback. So ideally, Wentz goes somewhere where he can sit for a little bit. Now, the question is, as you mentioned, is this is Wentz a guy where the Eagles, you know, coming off of last year where it was Mar- Marcus Mariota and it was do the deal and it was do whatever it took. And I agreed with all that. You should do whatever it takes. Whenever you, you, whenever you can find a guy you think is the franchise guy, you should do whatever it takes to get him. So if the Eagles think that about Wentz, if their evaluation process leads them to that, then clearly, yes, they should trade up for Wentz and do whatever it takes. In my opinion, though, after watching Wentz for two days, um, I watched three of his games yesterday um, on tape, and I I had the chance to talk to him one-on-one for about 15 minutes this past week. In my opinion, he's not somebody where I would pay a huge price to move up. I mean, if you're at 13 and he's there at 11 and you want to move up to jump whoever's at 12, then, yeah, I think you know maybe you give up an extra pick or something like that. But the, the problem is Eagles already don't have a second-round pick. So if you're talking about moving from 13 maybe up to, I don't know, maybe he gets past the Cowboys at four and you want to get him at five, I mean, or do you want to give up you know your third-round pick this year and then all of a sudden Wentz is your first, your only pick? You, I mean, they have two-thirds, which helps, but Wentz is you know one of your only picks in the first three rounds. Or do you want to give up your first next year? I don't think Wentz is, is, in my opinion, that good where you want to fully commit to this guy as your absolute savior um, at quarterback. Why is that? Well, you know, when you watched him in person, then on tape too, was mm-hmm. it 
Um, is it something about his game? Is it the uncertainty of him just coming over, you know, from the level he played out to the NFL? Why? Yeah. Why not? If because a lot of people like him, but why don't you yeah. like him to the point where you'd give up? Because I mean, last year we talked and we were both in the camp that look, if if Marcus Mariota is going to be this good, and we both thought he'd be really good, and it looks like he's going and he to has be, been. yeah, and he has been right. And Winston's the same thing. I mean, they the Eagles really weren't in on that, but same thing. Those two look to be special quarterbacks. Why isn't Wentz that to you right now? Well. From watching him in person, I think he does come across good. I mean, like if you if I if I hadn't spent time watching three of his games on tape, then my opinion would probably be a little different. Because when you see him in person, he's big, he moves well, he he throws, you know, for, in in my opinion, a good ball. I mean, it, he's got a quick release, all those things. But when you watch the tape, I saw him miss a ton of throws down the field. I don't think I saw him completely one deep pass. He was consistently overthrowing guys. Um, you know, he seemed to hold on to the ball too long in the pocket, even though he does have an actual quick release. But he, he seemed to hold on to the ball. I mean, I will say he's a he is a good athlete. When I watched, um, you know, he's got good balance. I mean, he had a few long runs. But my question is, is he gonna when he gets to the NFL? Is he gonna be able to get to the corner against NFL athletes? He he's not he's not a Marcus Mariota type of type of athlete where you feel confident about his speed and his ability to get to the corner against anybody. I'm not sure I feel that way about Wentz. But the other thing is just from talking to Wentz, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, come at this guy's personality because I'm sure he's like a nice guy, but he just didn't to me. I didn't walk away feeling like this is a, this is the guy. This is your, your franchise quarterback. Now, granted, Marcus Mariota certainly last year, people have questions about his personality. And, you know, maybe last year was an extreme with Winston, who is one of the better natural-born leaders, I, I think at least, you know, when it comes to quarterback. And you have Mariota, who was much more soft-spoken. But the difference is Marcus Mariota was, you know, a Heisman winner who was, you know, dominated some of the best college footballs in college football teams in, um, in, the, in the league for a long time. Wentz is someone who's coming from North Dakota State. So I didn't really see those intangibles with Wentz that, you, that I would have liked to see. So that's another reason why I, I wouldn't be blown away with the idea of trading up for him. I mean, I, I'm even like, if he's there at 13, I'm not 100% sure I would take him, even if he falls. I, because in my opinion, it, you don't just take a quarterback because it's a need. I mean, if they take Wentz and they miss on him, I mean, that's that's a catastrophic miss. That that probably cost Doug Peterson his job. It probably cost Howie Roseman his job. So it, you don't just take one just because he's the best available this year. You, you take a quarterback because you're sure he's the guy no matter what. And I, right now, and we have a few months, and my opinion could change, as will everyone's opinion back and forth. Right now, I just don't feel, I don't feel that way about Wentz when I watch him and when I talk to him. I think you make a good point on the, you know, you can't just take a quarterback just because you need one. I mean, I, I go back to 2011 draft, which everyone's talking about now because Cam Newton and Von Miller are going to be in the Super Bowl. But I felt that that's what the Titans did that year with Jake Locker and the Jaguars with Gabbard and the, the Vikings with Ponder. Right. They were all around the same pick the Eagles have now, right in that like 8 to 15 range. And you, know, you just get set back so far. So if it's not, you know, a quarterback and the Eagles, you know, go in a different direction, whether that's Bradford or whatever. Uh, they have that 13th pick, and, and we were just talking about how the Senior Bowl is so important to them. So when you were down there for the week, take people kind of inside what it's like, because I think people wonder what the week is like and what guys like mm -hmm. Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are doing. So when you're doing your thing and you're, you're, you're seeing these guys, I saw you had a picture uh, you, you put on Twitter the other day of Dan Marino, and he was kind of standing near. Um, yeah, he was there all week, which is kind of crazy. All right, so, so Marino's there. So kind of take people into what it's like down there 
uh, during right. the week uh, while we're all listening to what you guys are saying? <laughs> well, the funny thing about the Senior Bowl is it's in Mo- it's in Mobile, Alabama, which is like this tiny, tiny, tiny town. And so it's not it, a hopping town. No, there's there's one bar called Vitz, and that's where that's where everybody goes. Like I remember last year, Bruce Arians was there for five years. I mean, not five years for five hours. It felt like five years for five <laughs> five hours sitting at the bar. Um, so that's the the really a lot of the reason that reporters go down to the senior bowl is just to meet people and to talk to, you know, scouts and agents and get their opinion in terms of the actual practice. I mean, you know, people, you watch practice and all that, but that's not the main reason you go down there. So when, when you walk around mobile, you know, you'll see, uh, like I saw Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson, you know, hanging in the hotel lobby, you see, uh, Dan Marino at the bar. So it's really like, kind of a who's who of the NFL when it comes to just getting a chance to meet people, getting a chance to get people's dip, uh, opinion on different things. And it's really a, a networking event. I mean, you, you see guys down there who have been fired that are there looking for jobs. So that's kind of one of the main purposes of the senior bowl. Um, just in terms of, you know, the, and that it's the same thing at the practices where they let the reporters walk around basically wherever they want. So you can stand on the sideline, and, you know, you're standing next to Nick Saban, you hear him talking to, to Harbaugh about different prospects. So it is, it is a pretty cool event. But the other good thing about it is it gives you a chance to talk to these rookies up close. On Tuesday night, I believe it was, yeah, it was Tuesday night, they had a, a dinner with all the players and all the media members. You could just go and talk to them. And that's a great opportunity to find out who, these, who they're talking to. Because the players, you know, it's funny when you talk to professional athletes, they're very secretive with their information. You'll be like, you know, what, what, what teams are talking to you as a free agent? And they're like, oh, I don't want to get into that, blah, blah. You talk to these rookies and they're like, man, I talked to the Ravens, the Jets, the Giants, blah, blah, blah. So they, it, it's kind of refreshing in that way. Um, and it's a good opportunity to find out who the Eagles are talking to and, you know, who, who they've shown interest in. So who are some of those names? Because, I mean, every year they have those interviews and they sit down with these kids. And some of it, mm-hmm. I mean, Chip always said this last year, a lot of it's just due diligence and they just, you know, they do everything they can to meet as many kids as they can before this draft process comes about. But who are some of the names that you kind of put on your radar this week yeah. in terms of the Eagles draft in a few weeks beyond just the quarterbacks? Well, just real quick before we get to that. I mean, you mentioned in there, you know, the Eagles try to meet with as many people as possible. And one thing I've found over – my time at the senior bowl, at least from the reaction from Eagles fans is I would tweet out something like, you know, the Eagles uh, have met with uh, Glenn Gronkowski, the tight end. And, you know, the reaction will be, Oh, they're going to meet with everybody. Or I'll, I'll tweet out another name. They're like, well, they're just meeting with everybody, but that, that's not true. The idea that the Eagles meet with everybody at the senior bowl is just factually incorrect. I mean, so they only have so much time. You're saying yeah, they, they only, only, so they only have so much time. I mean, what, what basically how it works is the Eagles have scouts and they'll go around and there's, there's different types of interactions. So let's say, um, you know, Jason Spriggs, an, a lineman out of Indiana. That's a guy the Eagles actually met with. Like Stoutland met with him. I, I don't know if Howie was in the room. But they, they spent time and they, you know, they took 15, 20 minutes out of their day and they brought him in. It could have been longer. And they met with him. Now, a guy like Glenn Gronkowski, that's a guy who they could have just talked to casually off the field. A lot of teams give these players a sheet of paper. And you fill things out, just like your height, weight, agent, agent name, and like four general questions. So that's not a meeting. So like, did the Eagles have every player fill out a piece of paper? Yeah, that's possible. But I can tell you right now, I, I talked to two Eagles coaches and I said, so is the perception you guys meet with everybody true? And it's just not. Like, every, like when, I, when, I, when people were saying they met with Carson Wentz, oh, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. They met with Wentz twice. Doug Peterson was there the second time. They obviously thought of enough of him the first time to bring him back in for a second time. But then a guy like Dak Prescott, 
they did not meet with him, at least as of Thursday morning. They, they had not met with him. So clearly they have interest in Wentz or they have some type of opinion on Wentz they want to clarify. And with Pre- Prescott, may, maybe they're so sure him they don't want to talk to him, but the chances of that are slim. So it absolutely does matter. You know, we'll talk about some of these guys here. I have the list. Um, who the Eagles talked to and, and who they didn't. Yeah, that's, I think that's good that you brought that up because that, I think that, is, that perception is out there where, all oh, yeah, they right. meet with everyone. And I, even, I even said it, but they do meet with a lot of guys, but not everybody. And well, they, they talk to everybody. Something. They don't meet with everybody. Right, the, okay, the, so that's, that's, the that's the distinction. Yeah, that's, that's the, the distinction there. So, so they met with some and they, they talked to a lot, and now we try to figure out who they like and who they don't, and um, we have a few months to do that. But how about some names that kind of stood out to you and you think maybe – you know, stood out to the, the Eagles as well. I know you mentioned mm-hmm. Gronk a couple of times there, and you, uh, you, you're the tweeting or writing about him this past week, and um, he's a fullback. For, and that obviously would, would signify a change because the Eagles haven't had a fullback in a while, right. but uh, it could be part of the, the new offense with Peterson because I, I believe the Chiefs did have one on their roster. Yeah, and Peterson was asked about that um, when he spoke on Wednesday, whether he was going to have a uh, fullback in his offense. He wasn't sure yet. Um, he certainly seemed open to it. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. Um, one idea that I thought was interesting, someone brought up to me on Twitter, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was, was um, Trey Burton moving to fullback. Um, I think that potentially would be a good role for him. Um, but to get back to the rookies, because you know we have all offseason talk about how the Eagles will build their roster. Um, one guy who I, you know, I didn't know about coming into the Senior Bowl, and now after I left, I think is a real possibility for the Eagles and someone they showed a ton of interest in was uh, Jason Spriggs, a lineman from Indiana. Um, he had a great week. He was... I think he was the biggest offensive lineman at the draft, if not close to the biggest. He weighed in at right about um, – I'll, I'll look at what he weighed in at, but I think he came in at about 6'7 or something like that. And when you watch him practice, he just looks like a natural athlete. He kind of He's in the Lane Johnson mold. Of, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, when I look more into uh, you know, his background if he played a skill position in high school or something like that because he, he moves very well for a guy his size. Um, and he's a guy that the Eagles met with. I know they met with him at least once. Um, I'm not sure if they met with him twice, but that's somebody that they, you know, I think is definitely on their radar. The only, the only problem with him is I'm not sure where they would draft him because I don't think he's someone you take at 13 overall, but they don't have a second round pick. And I, he's definitely not going to be there by the, I would be surprised at least if he was there by the third round. Um, so that's one guy that, you know, definitely caught their interest. Um, and the other thing I noticed from talking, just going around and serving the players as to who the Eagles, trying to figure out who the Eagles met with met with a ton of offensive linemen and they met with, you know, the all like basically all the best offensive linemen that was were there. Uh Joshua Garnett out of uh Stanford. He's projected to go first late first, early second. Um obviously that could change based off his senior bowl performance. Um they met with him. Cody Whitehair, he's he's considered the best guard in the draft, pretty pretty much undisputed uh, out of Kansas State. I know they took time and met with and met with him, but again, this is the issue of not having a second round pick is you don't like a guy enough at 13, but you don't have, you don't have a pick until the third round. Do you trade down? I mean, what, what do you do? And I don't think you use the 13th overall pick on a guard. I think that's kind of a, a waste of, of a pretty huge asset. Yeah, that would be a, it'd probably be a tough sell just you know for fans, too, on right. draft night. Because you, know, you don't have a second-round pick then. So for the first couple days as you're evaluating this thing, getting excited, it would be a guard and nothing else. But look, if that's the best player, they – they'd have to go down that road and make that decision. But the offensive lineman, I mean, that's clearly outside of quarterback. And we'll get into some stuff that happened with the team this week. Um, but th- that seemed to you like where they were uh, putting their attention this week? Because that seems to be where 
you know, I think everyone would say they have to draft a couple, at least a couple offensive linemen this year because they just haven't, they haven't done it in two years. Yeah. Before I went to the senior bowl, I did like a, a seven round mock draft um, of only senior bowl players. And I think of the, first of all, the Eagles have a ton of picks I think they have nine picks this year. Even though they don't have a second round pick, they have two thirds. They might have two fifths and two sevenths. So they, they have some ammunition and they really, you want them to have late round picks this year because they, as you just mentioned, they need to take, they need to just take bodies at the position. They need potentially, depending on what they do with Jason Peters, uh, they need a starter there. Even if they draft Jason Peters, they definitely need a top end tackle prospect to work with. So they need definitely one tackle. They need, they definitely need a start, a new starting guard, whether they find that through the draft or through free agency. I don't think you can go into the year with Matt Tobin as the guy again. So they need there. There's two right there potentially to start. And then they really just need an influx of fresh backups of guys who maybe aren't ready to start this year, but that they can develop. And that if worse comes to worse in game six, you needed to put this guy in, you could do it. So of, of their picks, they definitely need to use a, a ton of them offensive line. And that's, that's you know what what it seemed like they they knew that based off the fact that almost every offensive lineman I talked to, um, you know they they had shown interest in into some capacity. Yeah, that seems to be where they're really focusing themselves. So uh, you were down at the Senior Bowl, and while you were there, uh, some news broke up here. And I know uh, we're doing this podcast on a Friday morning. I think you're you're heading over to Novacare for um, was it Brent Selleck? Brent Selleck, um, yes. Yeah, yes. press conference this afternoon. So he and Zach Ertz both get. Uh, new deals and the Eagles. You know, what, what were your thoughts on on both? I mean, Ertz got paid pretty well um, for a guy that's been in the league three years. Obviously, they they plan on him being a big part of this thing now for years to come. Yeah, Ertz, I, I think is kind of one of those instances where it was a really, I think, a win win for both sides. I think Ertz got paid like a pro bowler, even though he has not earned that potential yet. But the Eagles get Ertz as the fourth highest paid tight end where I think based off the the year he could have, granted we always feel like we're waiting for it to break out, but I think off the year he could have, I think in two years this could seem like a bargain for them in terms of, you know, his his cap his cap hit's still relatively low. Um twenty million guaranteed over six years is really not a ton of guaranteed money. Um but for him, I mean, you know, he he gets his big payday really before he earns it. So I thought that was a good a, a good deal for both sides. And I think it's important for the Eagles to lock him up because I think he's gonna be a huge part of the offense um next year. The Selleck deal I was a little little more skeptical of and I didn't really see the purpose. Um I don't really subscribe to this whole like you have to take care of your homegrown talent situation. Like, yeah, Ertz is a good example of that because he's still young, but I don't think, you know, it's really important to make sure Brent Selleck retires an Eagle. Like it would be cool, I guess, for fans, but I don't think it's like, you don't, you don't make your personnel decisions based off of that. And Selleck's a guy who I think he only had like, like he had like very, very down year statistically. I'd have to look it up, but I, I think he only had two touchdowns, um, you know, pro football focus. If that's say you, you, value their opinion, which I do. They had Ertz as a considerably better run blocker than Selleck last year. Um, and not only that, I think, you know, we mentioned Burton a little earlier. Uh, yeah, maybe moving him to fullback is a good idea since Selleck's here, but I would like to see what Burton could do as a tight end out on the field. Whenever he's been out there, he's played well. He's been a key special teams player. So I would have been, if I'm the Eagles, I would feel more comfortable going ahead with a duo of Ertz, Burton, and maybe a rookie than having Selleck back here. And unless, unless you're not going to play him, but if you're not going to play him, then why resign him? So 
I was a little confused by that deal. Granted, it's not a huge amount of money, but I was just, I was just surprised. It, I was just surprised at the decision. Yeah, I was. That one caught me off guard too, because I think a lot of people thought, "Oh well, you know, you know, Chip Kelly really likes Selleck." I thought they maybe might this, cut him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard a lot of people say the same thing. Maybe that's maybe this is the end of the line, and and obviously no, he's going to be around for at least a little while longer. And I think the big thing now, to me, Elliot, at least, was when I saw these deals come down, like especially the Ertz one, where. Uh, it's kind of team-friendly but player-friendly for a young guy and locking him up. That, to me, just – it screams Howie Roseman. That's what they used yeah. to do back in the day. That's what he was taught in how to do. And I know the Eagles are interviewing the Mitts, interviewing uh, Brandon Hunt from Pittsburgh and still looking for that personnel lead guy or whatever you want to call him. But did, did any of this this week kind of signal to you, I mean, Howie's running the show again? Oh, no doubt about it. There's yeah. no doubt that Howie's running the show. I mean, maybe they'll – I think the guy they're hiring – is more going to be a scout how he feels he can trust than a guy who's going to make decisions. Um, but when you when you talk to Howie and when he speaks to the media and all that, I mean, he's back. Like that's really the only way to put it. I mean, before he was before he was stripped of his personnel duties, I don't think there's any doubt people considered him the general manager of the team. No matter what, I think his, in fact his title was general manager. But now that now that Chip's gone and Howie's back, he's clearly back in the role of of power. I mean, he's a guy that's going to be making the decisions. He's a guy that's handing out these contracts. Now the Ertz is something that could have gotten done anyway, because I know Chip liked him a lot and it makes sense, but like the Selleck deal probably doesn't happen if Howie's not back, but the, he's the one making the decision. So they can spin however they want. They'll hire a new personnel guy. They'll give him a title. At the end of the day, as long as Howie's in the current position, he is, he is the most important vo- voice outside of Jeffrey Laurie in the Novacare complex. That can't make people listening to this feel feel very good. <laughs> well, uh, but I go back. I go back true. and forth. Well, but I I go back and forth whether I think Howie was a good general manager or not. Because on one hand, like I I forget who made this point, but I thought it was a good one. The moves Chip made were big, catastrophic, bad moves. Like tra- trading a second round pick for Sam Bradford, giving Demarco Murray that huge deal. Um, Byron Maxwell, you can debate, but obviously he overpaid for him. Howie, outside of that one dream team year, he doesn't. He never really gives out huge contracts. And I mean, you know, he re he re-signed Lashawn McCoy at a young age, which proved to be a good move. He re-signed Deshaun Jackson at a young age, which which proved to be a good move. He did draft Fletcher Cox. I mean, Marcus Smith was a miss, but you can debate who. At, even though Howie kind of fell on the sword for that, I think you can make that decision. But overall, I you know I can see why fans are, are concerned. Um, but I just I don't know how he gets bashed so much. Sometimes I feel like I need to present the alter argument that he wasn't a complete disaster as a general manager during his four years. Yeah, I think people always love to bring up Marcus Smith, but like you said, we don't really know still the answer to that. And Danny Watkins, that, that one hurts that was a him bad badly. One, that's why you don't take a guard in the first round. But yeah, that might scare him off doing it this time. But, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the 2012 Howie draft class, Cox, Kendricks, Curry in the first three picks, and even and I mean, Foles. Look, Nick, yeah, Foles is what he is, but 27, <laughs> and he did give them one big season from a third-round pick, so... Yeah, I mean, I look think at it this way. How he got how he got Foles in the third round, and Foles accomplished more in an Eagles uniform than Bradford did, and Chip gave up a second round pick to get Bradford. So he did. And he got know. Boykin, I think, in the fourth round that year, and Boykin was good for the Eagles. And I think he got Bryce Brown in the seventh, and then he what he flipped Bryce Brown for like a fourth or fifth round pick a few years yeah, later. So how he's how he's made good moves. And and again, I completely understand why people are concerned. I mean, the Eagles have they haven't won a playoff game since two thousand eight. And I think it's funny when people on Twitter will say to me, you know, why are you so critical of the move of the moves Eagles make? Like you're always so skeptical. 
well, they've never won a Super Bowl, and they haven't even won a playoff game since 2008. So obviously the moves they're making, more are not working out than are. But that being said, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with this whole Doug Peterson, Howie duo. I think there's plenty of reason to be skeptical, but I also think fans need to kind of like give, give, give Howie a chance to see what he can do. Because as you mentioned, there were some go- good moves he made this first time around. There were, and, and we'll see how it goes here. You mentioned Peterson. Let's, let's kind of wrap uh, episode 27 with Peterson and what he had to say this past week about Sam Bradford. So when Peterson was introduced as the coach, and you were there a couple weeks ago uh, for that, he was mm-hmm. you know, pretty effusive in praise for Bradison, uh, Bradford uh, and said he fits in perfectly and all that kind of stuff, and, and you kind of start thinking maybe he wants him to be the quarterback. But he wasn't as effusive. He, so he spoke this week about Sam Bradford down there in Mobile um, and I'm sure this is probably a little bit with the contract and posturing. He's, he's saying what he can, but what did he say this week? And, and did it change your thought on what the Eagles might be thinking with Bradford now? Well, yeah, let me start by saying when Brad, when uh, Peterson talked to the podium as an introductory press conference, he did say very nice things about Bradford, about how he would fit his offense. But then off the podium, when he spoke to just the writers for a little bit, the two things he mentioned that to me really stood out were one, one of the reasons a chief liked Alex Smith was because of his win loss record. And I know fans don't want to hear that that's a, a stat, but it does matter for quarterbacks. And Sam Bradford has a terrible win loss record. Um, so that's something to me, like a, a, sub- a look into how Peterson's thinking that would not favor Bradford. And then he also mentioned the fact that the cap is going to play it a role into who they sign and you know the what people expect is that Bradford's going to cash in big time maybe he won't end up doing so but if he you know those reports Bradford asked for 25 million I don't think Peterson thinks enough of Bradford to pay him that so you know that's what kind of the, the message was to me going into the senior bowl like they like Bradford but they're they're not really in love with him and that was more the message too it just reinforced it when Peterson talked uh, a few days ago at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, I asked him flat out. I said, have you guys made a decision whether you want Bradford back or not? And obviously he's not going to say, yeah, you know, we already re-signed him. But Chip Kelly said, yeah, I want Bradford back. That's what I want. That, you know, that is a decision. You know, internally, you know, I, we want Bradford back. He was clear about that at the podium. When, you asked, when I asked Peterson a few days ago the same question, he said they did not know. He said he was he wasn't sure, and how he said the day before when he talked that they were still evaluating uh, different. You know, they were they were gonna when it came to Bradford, they were gonna evaluate the free agents, they were gonna evaluate the draft. So at this point, even if Bradford's back, I don't think this is a situation where he was the guy all along. They were sure about it. I think Bradford's gonna be back if his price tag drops, and if he looks, if Bradford looks around and says Eagles are my best situation, and for the Eagles, Bradford will be back if they don't find a rookie they like or if they think they won't be able to get the guy they like, or if they can't find a better option in free agency. But I just think the message from the Eagles these past day was, like, when it came to Bradford, was they could they could live without him. And in my opinion, if you feel that way about a quarterback, then he's not the guy. I don't. If Bradford's not worth $20 million to you, I don't think he's worth thirteen. I mean, if he's either the guy or he's not. And if he's not the guy, then go with the young rookie and roll the dice, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, for next year, just for next season, he's probably the best option because he's competent at this point and the rookie would need some time. But long term, that, you, that has to be the way you think about a quarterback, right? Because everyone likes to talk about the money with right. these quarterbacks and how much Bradford would make. But if you think he's that good or they think he's that good, then you make everything else work around him. I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that 
maybe are overpaid, but their team believes in them and they say, all right, we'll make it work around them because we right. love this guy. If the Eagles don't feel that way, then the Bradford thing's probably going to end, or it should. Right, and I mean, you know, like, like you said, there's quarterbacks in the league that you can debate how good they are, but, you know, a guy like Blake Bortles, who had a better year this year, the Jaguars are clearly all in on Blake Bortles. But I just think with Bradford, that, that's not the vibe. And this is, again, what they're saying publicly. But I think behind the scenes as well, I, I hear the same type of things, that they're just not enamored with, with Bradford. And, I, you know, fans will say, well, he's, he's, you know, he's their best option at winning, winning next year. Well, Bradford's never made the playoffs. So it's not like, you know, you're giving up a shot at the playoffs. They, they could re-sign Bradford for $20 million a year and not make the playoffs in the next three years. I mean, that could happen. So it, it, you're, not, you're not bringing in an Aaron Rodgers type of guy. Whereas, you know, we've talked about Wentz a ton. I don't know how Wentz will turn out, but at least he's a guy that you don't know. I mean, there's there's untapped potential there. And so I think, you know, I think that's what what intrigues the Eagles is they want to see what else is out there, what they could pot- potentially have better than Bradford. I don't think they've completely shut the door on re-signing Bradford. And also, you know, Peterson says, yeah, Bradford told me he wants to be back. And then in the next breath, he says, but we're not sure we want him. Not really sure if I'm Bradford how I feel about that. I mean, you're like airing out what I told you on the phone. You're making it seem like I want to come back, but you know they're not sure if they want me. I thought that was a bit of like a rookie press conference move there for uh, Peterson in terms of how he portrayed Bradford. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think they've made their mind up uh, about Bradford, um, but we'll see. I mean, they have until until March, so. Yeah, they have been setting March 1st for the tag. I mean, if there's one thing, as you said that, as we wrap this up, there's one thing Doug Peterson, I think, needs to learn, Elliot. It needs to learn from Chip Kelly how to not tell the truth uh, in press yeah. conferences. I mean, this is twice now. Because once he talked about the, game, the clock management with the Chiefs thing, and that just got everyone all you know, flipping out over he doesn't know what he's doing. And now yeah. this. I mean, it's okay if Doug you know, twists the truth a little bit. If he's going to be this honest, he's going to get himself in some trouble here. I mean, hey, man, when your heart's that open, you can't help but tell the truth. You know? Well, I guess, I guess then Jeff Lurie will be happy one way or exactly. the other. Exactly. That's all that matters. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll do this again next week. And you're heading to the Super Bowl, right? Leaving for the Super Bowl on Monday. I'm excited for a week of Eagles talk about how they're going to win the big game. So it'll, it'll be That's good. That's right. It's, it's a big game. They're preparing. Chip Kelly has the yeah. Eagles ready to go. <laughs> Sam uh, Bradford, this is his moment. This is his moment right here. Everyone saw it coming. So. From 7-9 and nine to the Super Bowl, the San exactly. Francisco. All right, Elliot, have a good one, and we'll catch up next week. Safe flight out to San Francisco. All right, talk to you soon. And thanks to all of you for listening to Episode 27 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast, right here on NJ.com.